0: University uh, Jesuit School um, in Cleveland, and I got my master's degree at Kent State University in Ohio, and my PhD at Ohio University, also in Ohio.
1: Sweet. Um, Like, what inspired you to pursue the environmental studies field? And maybe just tell a little bit about where what you study along with teaching?
0: Oh sure, sure. Um, well, my, my, my focus organisms are um, uh, cyanobacteria. I'm what they call a phycologist. I study algae. Um, algae are a fantastic group of creatures to study. Um, they are the base of all of our aquatic ecosystems. They provide the majority of oxygen for us. They fix most of the nitrogen on the planet. Um, and they are an incredibly old group of creatures. Cyanobacteria are probably one of the first organisms on the planet. Uh, And they affect all of us on an everyday basis. They are responsible for everything from red tides to nitrogen fixation in soils. And they do all sorts of really fantastic things for us. Um, So I always enjoy studying them because I also like to study all sorts of different weird things. And there are so many kinds of algae out there we just don't know very much about. It's a great field to be in.
1: That's awesome. Why do you think students should get involved in the environmental studies area? What can they gain from it? And what is going into the future?
0: Oh, sure. Environmental sciences will be the the next major frontier we're gonna have to address as human beings. We have a population of seven and a half billion folks. Someone's got to feed all these folks and we're having an impact on the environment. Most of that is on our aquatic environments and that's where the algae really dominate. In order for us to all live an existence that I think we're all comfortable with, We really have to get a hold on what we're doing to the environment and ways that we can mitigate our impacts on the environment. And that's where students really come in.
1: Thank you. How about what are some ways that you think students right now could get involved, even if they're not in the environmental studies field?
0: Oh, sure, sure. Right off the bat, uh, any kind of activism and communications is a fantastic thing. Um, I've been teaching for about 20 years now. and the noticeable difference between students 15 years ago and today is 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 market uh students are much more environmentally conscious and not just you know students tend to be more of a progressive kind of lot a more liberal kind of lot even amongst the conservative students i find that people are very interested in the environment and environmentalism now which is absolutely fantastic so i think about things like recycling which might sound trivial but is a very very significant kind of thing for us to do also, students nowadays are very good about things like water resources, not wasting waters and such, whereas, you know, older adults sometimes don't really care about those sorts of things. But students are usually really attuned to these things, regardless of political spectrum or ideologies. Um, and so that's really where students can take up the next kind of thing. As you guys are voting, as you guys get it into government and policymaking decisions, having those kinds of things in your mind is going to be really fantastic for all of us.
1: Um, okay. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, how about, like, out of all of your classes that you teach, what do you hope that your students get out from it? Like, what's the one most important thing?
0: Oh, sure, sure. So the the one thing I always try to stress in in any of my classes, whether it's environmental science or micro or G-bio, is the interconnection of all things in the living biotic world. It might sound stupid, it might sound trivial, but human beings have an impact on everything around us and things have an impact back on us human beings. So for us to exploit a resource or develop a niche somewhere means that something else is gonna have an effect somewhere else. And I wanna live as great a life as possible. I want everyone to be able to live as great a life as possible. So knowing that, how can I kind of minimize my impact on other things or how can I do things that would actually to say benefit the most folks but how can i be less of a jerk to the environment and hopefully then this environment will be able to support us for a longer period of time
1: what do you think like out of all of the issues that are going on right now environmentally which do you think is like the most pressing and why
0: um i think the big thing that we're gonna have to worry about is um uh freshwater uh resource management um I saw that Noah predicted that this is going to be a very warm, very dry year throughout North America, Um, and we're in a 20-year drought right now in North America. Um, People don't realize, you know, we always talk about oil resources or heavy metals or whatever, and those are fine things to worry about, I suppose, but you need to drink water every day. We need water for industrial applications. We need water for basically everything. Think about all of our agricultural needs. The thing that we don't think about is there's only a finite amount of water. And here in the United States, we get a lot of our water from our aquifers, for example. And we have good aquifer resources, but think about places like Africa. Africa has by far the fastest growth rate on the planet. Um, you know That's why COVID doesn't really seem to matter very much in Africa, because it's mostly young folks under the age of 20. Well, in another five years when those folks start to have kids of their own or ones that have to start to have jobs and start to have a civilization like we do, it's going to require resources, and there's not that much fresh water. Europe is having extensive droughts. Much of Southeast Asia is having droughts. And so this is the thing that we often don't think about because water is so cheap here in the United States. The government subsidizes it. It's easily available. I can drink out of any fountain in the United States, and life is great for me. But that's not like that for the majority of the world. And that's something that I don't think that we're really putting enough stock into and thinking about is where does our next set of fresh water come from? You can't really desalinate very easily. It's very, very expensive, and it's not logistically feasible. So what are we going to do to water our crops, uh, feed our herds, and feed us as human beings?
1: That makes a lot of sense. What do you think is like the best everyday choices that you could make to help contribute to or stop water loss?
0: Oh, sure. Well, right off the bat, conservation is a big thing. Funny thing about the United States, we use less electricity today than we did 10 years ago. We use less water today than we did 10 years ago. And, and that has to do a lot of conservation. You know, folks are just smarter about what we do. You know, uh, I live in a neighborhood, and, and it used to be that people would water their lawns two or three times a week for some reason, right? So you have that nice grass, But people realize nowadays, who cares about grass? It doesn't really matter. If it dies, eh. So if we just start doing these little things, like the low flush urinals we have here on campus, these conservation efforts are incredibly significant in the long term. Doing these little tiny things leads to these aggregate changes. Once we start doing that, then we could start to really address the big usage of of water resources, uh, which here in the United States and throughout the world is mainly agriculture. So as we start transitioning, um, almonds are my big pet peeves. I love almonds. <laughs> I can eat almonds all the time. I hate almond milk with a passion. The amount of water it takes to get a gallon of almond milk is baffling. Hmm. It is much easier and better just to get it from a cow. Almonds require a lot of water. We grow them in California where they're not supposed to grow. You have to water them even more. It, those kinds of silly things that, that drive me crazy.
1: And that's kind of ironic.
0: It is. Everyone always says, well, it's a plant. It's just going to grow. Well, it grows somewhere, it's just not here. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we can get anything to grow anywhere we want, but it's going to cost an inordinate amount of resources. And that's something I think people really have to start to realize. Definitely.
1: You know, I did not see that almond milk. This is good to know, noting this.
0: Oh, and then people love almond milk, and, and I always think it's very environmentally friendly because it comes from an almond, not from a cow. And then this is one of these weird things. You'd be better off getting it from the cow. Plus, it's weird to milk a seed. I don't even, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. Or a nut, or whatever it is. I don't know what an almond is, per se.
1: What do you think, like, within J- the Jacksonville community, what do you think is, like, the biggest problem there?
0: So in Jacksonville, I think we're going to have a problem with ocean change, uh, ocean level rise. So all the NOAA forecasts say that here in Jacksonville, we're not going to have a tremendous change in our ocean levels. That is true. But what we are going to start to see is more saltwater intrusion, for example, along the intercoastal, for example, uh, into the St. John's River. Uh, We're deepening the uh, St. John's River right now. And as all that saltwater comes in, it's going to kill off all that riparian vegetation, which is going to lead to a loss of habitat. We're probably going to have a lot more uh, algal bloom issues. So I think one of the things that we're going to have to be cognizant of is, 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 is climate change and how it's going to impact us. But fortuitously, Jacksonville, oddly enough, is very cognizant of this. Um, Jacksonville has a, a climate resiliency committee that just came out with this report this week. Uh, there's some folks here on UNF's campus that are a part of that as well. So we actually are planning for these things but water resources are gonna be really significant to us, especially since we're growing at such an exponential rate. Someone has to have fresh water access. So we have to plan for all these sorts of things way out in advance.
1: What do you think like, I don't know if you already answered this question, but within that, what do you think the UNF students in particular can do to help with these problems?
0: Oh, sure, sure. And that that's a great one. Um, you know, like on campus, we used to have the plastic band, uh, bags, uh, the bookstore give you. And then it was a group of students uh, with uh, Dr. Rossi a couple of years ago who got them banned off of campus. Um, that's a great start. But then I look at like Chartwells, the folks who do all of our dining services. Uh, I was there getting a tea this morning, they had bananas and they wrapped up their bananas in plastic. And I thought, that's just insane. We waste a tremendous amount of resources, especially at food preparation. Um, I know because of the pandemic, people are freaked out a little and they want everything wrapped. But that's not how the virus gets transmitted anyways. But that's something that students can really lead. Um, I got a chocolate chip cookie a couple of weeks ago, and they put it into a plastic bag and then another bag to give to me it's those kinds of silly little resource wastings that that we have to spend the money on garbage service, we have to make the plastics, bury it somewhere. We can do a lot of things that would be more efficacious in the use of our resources here on campus, but we are making strides, and that that is the great thing about us. At least the administration is willing to listen to those things, especially if it comes from students.
1: Good to know. Keeping this noted for future (sighs) PIRG projects.
0: Ah, see, it is excellent. Absolutely excellent.
1: Do you think that, like, student engagement is important and why?
0: Oh, yes. Um, You know, it's one of the things I love about my job so much. Uh, I love talking to the students. Uh, You guys are always excellent. Uh, I find it very entertaining. Uh, But you guys are also full of great ideas and students, have a lot of passion, so when they set their minds to things, you know, they, they can do some really fantastic things. And and I think that's 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 absolutely paramount if we're gonna address these really significant problems. I hate traditions. Um, I, I find traditions the dumbest things to do. But this is why I like students, is because you guys often are kind of the same way. They say, just because a thing has been done like this in the past, why do we always have to do it this way? Um, I'm an evolutionary biologist, I realize things change and we should be able to adapt to these changes and we should be proactive about these things. Students are proactive about things and they always are thinking about how things can be better and I I think that's absolutely fantastic.
1: How about for like students going into the environmental field or just activism in general, what is the best advice you can give them?
0: The best advice is Remember that you are trying to convince people to do something different and yelling at folks never works. Um, you really have to try to understand why the other folks feel like they do. Um, just being a jerk and yelling at someone who's polluting doesn't do any good. Just making fun of someone because you think that they're, they're doing something stupid doesn't really change anything. You really have to understand why they're doing that and talk to them as a human being. Like you would want to be talked to, um, I think it's, it's important that we can address each other's concerns and such. I always think of like hunters, for example, I don't hunt. Um, I, I don't eat much meat, but I'm not anti hunting because I understand that that is a thing that, that folks do And you know, um, there's a lot of deer and stuff. And if we didn't hunt them, they would be way overpopulating. But if I could talk to a hunter about environmental restoration, say, Hey, look, you want to be able to hunt in the future. Let's get together. Let's preserve these territories so that you can do a thing and then the environment is fine. I think that's a lot more meaningful than, than us calling each other names or doing trivial little stupid kinds of things.
1: That is awesome advice.
0: It, it, it's hard, though, because sometimes I want to punch people <laughs> as well. Uh, and we just have to get past that, that wanting to punch them, I guess.
1: Makes a lot of sense, Like especially when... Me personally, I found that a lot of times I was so angry for a while, but then it came to terms where I was like, okay, now I just have to do something about this.
0: Oh, see, that's a great way of putting it. Yes. Yes. Do something positive. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it.
1: Um, let's see. What else can I ask you? Um... So, within your study, you specialize in the study of, like, algae, correct? And what do you... What?
0: Oh, yes. Yes, indeed.
1: And... Oh. How do you... How does algae directly impact the Jacksonville area, negatively and positively? And what can students do to, like, help it or change it?
0: Oh, sure. Well, in terms of negative consequences, um... Every year, the St. John's River turns pea green, uh, as does places like Doctor's Lake, for example. And that's because of cyanobacterial growth. Uh, Downside about it is cyanobacteria produce a variety of very, very powerful toxins, neurotoxins, hepatotoxins, dermatotoxins. They lead to fish kills. They lead to dolphin mortalities. They lead to wholesale, very deleterious ecosystem-level impacts. So how do we get rid of that? Well, they're mostly responding to nutrient additions. Um, Here in Northeast Jacksonville, we have 75,000 septic systems. So lots of folks are on septic systems. They leak into the environment and give us lots of nitrogen and phosphorus, and that leads to algal blooms. One of the things we can do is we could really mitigate how many nutrients we put into the aquatic habitats that we don't pollute things anymore is really, really, really significant. The upshot about having lots of algae outside the cyanobacteria, I guess, is algae is exactly what little tiny zooplankton like to eat. And those little tiny zooplankton are what fish like to eat. So if we have a healthy algal community, including things like coral reefs, not so much here up north because we're a little bit colder, but down south in Miami, for example, fantastic thing about corals is they're great places for fish to live, uh, for little invertebrates to live and it makes a much more robust ecosystem that we can enjoy that has great positive benefits for all of us as well.
1: That makes, yeah.
0: So pro-algae, I guess.
1: Pro-algae, I like it. Yes. can roll with that. Um, How, okay, Uh, let's see. I think we are coming to a close. Um, how about, could you please give your contact information just in case anybody has any questions?
0: Oh, sure. Um, uh, uh, my name is Dale Casimata, I'm a professor over here in biology. Um, my office is, I'm in building 59, room 3308, uh, third floor, my name's outside my door, um, or you can send me an email anytime, at unf.edu Look at our departmental website. I'm there as well. I'm always happy to talk about algae and environmental things or anything in biology. I'll, you know, i was more than happy to discuss any of these sorts of things with anybody.
1: All right, thank you so much.
0: Oh well, thank you very much. I